Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. I'm uh, back in position. I'm back from Japan. I uh, did a little trip with my kids, South Korea, Japan. Kind of cool, very interesting. But uh, back in the saddle again here. And a brand new podcast for the summer. And today I am going to talk to you about franchising. But before that, I want to remind you that there is a website associated with this podcast called wealthformula.com. That's where you go if you want to get further involved with this community. You might want to get on our email list. Uh, You may want to join Investor Club, particularly right now if you are an accredited investor an accredited investor is somebody who makes three hundred thousand dollars per year if filing jointly two hundred thousand if you're filing by yourself with the reasonable expectation of continuing with that kind of salary or income whatever you want to call it or has a net worth of a million dollars or more outside of their personal Residents. And the reason you may want to join Investor Club is because we are about to come alive again. We've been sort of slow in the last year um, because of, you know, the real estate market and, you know, the economy has been a, a little unusual with interest rates and that kind of thing. But we have some stuff in the pipeline. So we may want to uh, get involved with that sooner rather than later and uh, go to wealthformula.com to do that. Click on Investor Club. Now, as far as uh, today, as I mentioned, I want to talk to you a little bit about franchising, you know, and, and that's a type of business ownership, you know, and the question is, is that something you might be interested in? You know, I have a medical degree and um, am a former board certified surgeon, as, as you probably know by now, and, and yet that is not my identity. My identity is actually that of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and an investor too, obviously. And this is an identity for which I didn't go to school. I didn't get any training. Without trying to sound dramatic, I would say I was born this way. I actually think it's a little bit of a genetic thing. You see, my dad came to the U.S. in the late 1960s and got a scholarship here and trained as an engineer, uh, went to work as a civil engineer, and uh, eventually uh, in the 70s, uh, he got the real estate bug and he was doing real estate what, on the job. Like he was making calls for real estate and I say, you got caught and they were like, dude, we don't need that on our 
books here. So why don't you, uh, why don't you go find yourself a real estate job? So they fired him. So, and that's funny because it's sort of my story too. I was working at a cosmetic surgery company. Um, and that was right after training. And I was, uh, uh, starting to think like even, you know, a few months into this, I was like, huh, this is interesting. I, I like this concept, but why am, I mean, and I'm getting paid well, but the guy who owns this is making a lot more money than me. So why don't I do that? So I started plotting out my own cosmetic surgery company and, uh, you know, probably didn't get my mouth shut. Somebody found out, told my bosses, corporate, and they uh, perceived me as a competitor, so they fired me. Anyway, as the story goes, the apple does not fall far from the tree. You know, father and son getting fired, entrepreneurs, that kind of thing. Now, my dad, he went on to a career as a real estate entrepreneur, continues in that um, endeavor, even today in his, his uh, mid-80s. Uh, despite my detour into the surgical world, I have spent... The majority of my adult life as an entrepreneur. And it wasn't, again, by choice. It was my nature. I am. This is not a good thing. You see, I'm in, I am unemployable. I hate having to answer to others. And I despise hierarchy. Unless I'm at the top, of course. Now, that's why I am a business owner and not an employee. Again, to be clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with being an employee. I'm just not built that way. Now, in my case... I also had that daredevil instinct to start businesses from scratch. Some people would call that insanity, and you may be right, because some of my businesses failed miserably, and some were wins. The good news is for business owners and entrepreneurs is that you don't need everything to win. The good news is that being an entrepreneur is, uh, is that is, you just need a few big wins, uh, now, if I did not have daredevil entrepreneurial instincts, would I have been able to be a successful business person? Yes, I do. But I think I could have, uh, I, I don't think I could have started businesses from scratch, right? But that doesn't mean that you have to be born an entrepreneur like I was to be a business owner. It just means that you might want to find a more structured way to get into the arena. So, Buying a business is certainly an option. I'll say that when you start a small business like I have done a few times, you do get a little suspicious about buying other small businesses because you know that in your own business, there are often some skeletons and some closets, you know, the secrets uh, of, of the business. Like, you know, you don't know. And, and, and when you have your own business, you know where the closet is of secrets, the skeleton, so to speak. You know, that closet often has all kinds of secrets. Um, for example, it may tell you who the people are in the business who are make-it-or-break-it employees. And what if what if those people leave when you buy the business? And the only way to avoid buying a business with such an Achilles heel is to buy one sufficient uh, of sufficient size and um, that can't rest on really the shoulder of just one or two people, right? But that, that's going to be an expensive business, and not all of us can afford a $50 million business with an executive team in place uh, and all that, right? So I think, I think that's the challenge there. Now, that's where franchising might make sense. The value proposition of, franchise, uh, of a franchise involves having a playbook from day one on how to be successful, uh, in running a business that, that other people are doing with the same business model. And that model is documented. It's very 
you know, it's, it's something that you can absolutely follow. Uh, and then you also have the backing of a larger entity behind you that can give you some guidance. Um, and in theory, this should provide you, again, with that play-by-play on how to start and run a successful business. And in addition to guiding the less uh, business-inclined into ownership, franchises may also provide, if you think about it, some level of risk mitigation, right? Because you don't have to deal as much with the unknown variables of business ownership, right? You don't have to do that because they're all there for you. And frankly, probably most successful franchisers are the one who are going to be able to follow the rules the best. In this situation, you might be best off being a good student, right? Um, anyway, that said, it is uh, franchising sounds great and, um, and it might be, but it's certainly not without a price. There's franchise fees, and those are very real, and, and you got to weigh those into the entire equation. And also, you, you also have to pay attention to what kind of business you're, uh, you're getting into, right? I mean, again, just because it's a franchise doesn't mean that you are free of the things that I think that, that you have to be careful of. As I mentioned before, I was a cosmetic surgeon um, before, and I still have a cosmetic surgery company, believe it or not. In, in Chicago. And that's a business, though, that is highly competitive. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, there's, a, there's a lot of money in marketing to be spent. And, you know, cosmetics is not something that people have to have in bad times. So you have to weigh in all of these things. And that's no different when you choose a, you know, franchise. So keep that in mind. And again, I will like just uh, throw in my two cents again that I think that uh, businesses are probably best when they're boring, uh, and and that's just the reality. And boring means that you know people need them. You know whether it's winter, or summer, whether the economy is good or it's bad. Uh, to me, that's a good business, right? Um, and unfortunately, th- that doesn't necessarily always align with like the exciting businesses or the interesting businesses. So anyway, that uh, my my guest on this week's Wealth Formula podcast uh, is Kim Daly. She she navigates the world of franchise opportunities, and she's been a great resource for people in our community who've who've gone down that route. And I should point out uh, specifically, it's important. I have no financial relationship with Kim, nor have I found franchising for me suitable at this time. So you know, this is not you know a specific endorsement for anything. And it's important to everybody understand that whenever I do these kinds of things. But I think Kim's really, you know, good at what she does. And, and, and we've got some people in our community actually use her. And I think it might be useful for you to at least know a little bit about this option. It may not be right for you at all. Anyway, so tune in uh, and uh, we will have Kim Daly right after these messages. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. 
The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast, she's been on before. Her name is Kim Daly. She is a franchise expert, business coach, and motivational speaker. Uh, she's been doing this for 20 years, helping people realize their dreams of business ownership through franchising, helping thousands of people to live their dreams of business ownership, including some people who are part of the Wealth Formula community. Kim, welcome back to Wealth Formula Podcast. Thank you, Buck. I'm always excited to be your guest. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to like get back to some basics here. Uh, you know, I think like, one of the tricky things in uh, the economy right now is that there's, you know, for people who are particularly interested in real estate or a number of other assets, it's not necessarily been a great time to buy. So, um, you know, there's there's money, people have got money sitting around and all that and trying to figure out what they want to do with it. So one of the thoughts that I had was, well, you know, certainly investing in yourself is always a possible route. And um, so I wanted to just kind of reach out and, and kind of go back through this whole concept of, of franchising. So where does franchising belong in the whole, um, you know, in, in, in the whole sort of uh, hierarchy or not a hierarchy, but sort of the different choices uh, of when somebody decides or thinks they may want to start a business? Yeah. So I love where you started the conversation with the real estate market where it is right now. Yeah. So if you are a real estate investor, where it belongs is if you're looking for diversification, right? Yeah. So a franchise business is going to build you a cash flowing asset. It's going to create tax advantages. Now, unlike a passive syndication, a business is going to require some amount of time, but there's varying amounts of time depending on what kind of business you invest in. So in a franchise, unlike entrepreneurship, in a franchise, you can kind of buy down that time factor by buying ready-made tools and by bringing in a general manager as sort of the day-to-day -day, uh, person in the business. And then you can come in as the CEO who works on the business. We call that semi-absentee ownership. So there's a class of franchise opportunities that would allow you to be that sort of semi-absentee investor. And then we have some extreme examples, which a few wealth formula people are in. Um, an extreme example of a trade-off of money for time would be like a laundromat franchise, right? Where it's going to be a bigger cash outlay, but a pretty minimal time commitment once it's open. So that's kind of a special class uh -huh. of, you know, where you see that real big difference between higher investment of money, lower investment of time. So I think it fits in there. And then I also think it fits in to the high W-2 earners who want to create an exit. Maybe they worry about instability in their career or they just want to create an exit because <laughs> they don't want to do what they're doing forever. Right. Uh, but they make a lot of money and maybe you can build a business semi-absentee, create some tax advantage to shelter some of that W-2 income and then eventually be able to exit the W-2 and step into ownership, although 
if it's running through a manager, now you've got this going and now you could just scale it from there. Yeah. And I think what I was getting back to a little bit was, you know, there's different ways to get into uh, entrepreneurship, meaning uh, being a business owner. One of them is, uh, one of them is to start your own business. I've, I've done that a few times and it's not for everybody. Um, I've had some failures and had some big wins, but I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's a certain level of risk and, um, you know, things like that, 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 that it's hard, I think, for somebody, not everybody is wired for, or uh, maybe they don't have the, the time for or whatever. Um, and then there's the opportunity to straight out go to like, you know, biz by whatever, one of those uh, brokers that just sells businesses, right? And then yes. there's a possibility of, of starting a franchise. So maybe if you would, would, why don't you give your perspective on those essentially three ways of, of getting into business ownership. Yep. I love it. And I totally agree with you. Not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur. The biggest difference between what I'll call a franchisepreneur and an entrepreneur. So an entrepreneur is going to have to have an idea and then a lot of money to flush out that idea and to try to get it to where it's a positively cash flowing business that's replicatable and, and then you can scale. And sometimes that's about maybe one to three years if you make it right. The failure rate over there, as you mentioned, is really high. So in franchisepreneurship, we're not figuring anything out. We don't have to have an idea. We don't have to spend one to three years recreating the wheel. We're going to pay a franchise fee, get buy instant access to ready-made tools to hit the ground running. And so in those first one to three years, you not only can move toward profitability, but you can scale to multiple units if that's your goal, right? So it can drastically reduce the time to get to the wealth creation model and scale to the multiple units. So there's that. And then if you, you know, there is the class of like buying an established business for sale. Look, I coach all of my candidates to build a business to sell it. So a franchise is your business to sell at the end. Um, so I want you to think like that, right? You're not going to want to do this forever. And if you're part of a brand that has equity, right? If you're part of a Planet Fitness or you're part of a Massage Envy, brands that have equity, that's money, right? So you could put a four multiple, five multiple. I mean, I've had some friends who've cashed out for eight multiples of big franchise brands because of that brand equity. So that's what we're building collectively as franchisees in a system. So if you were to go and just purchase a private business for sale, that can be great if it's a great you know, cash flowing business, but you're probably going to be paying that multiple. And if it's a non-franchise, you could be missing out on a greater multiple that, you know, when you take it and build it to the next level, not to mention Buck, that when you invest in a franchise, this is all about being in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So entrepreneurship, super lonely. Like you, you don't have anybody to go to, to vet ideas off of, right? You're making it up as you go. I've done it. You've done it. It's not easy. The easiest people to convince of the value of a franchise are former entrepreneurs. <laughs> in a franchise, you're not figuring it all out on your own. You don't have to worry about making your business relevant or keeping it relevant or changing to a, a, a challenging economy. You're, you're not the one guiding all of that on your own. You're partnered with people and collectively you're working together to solve the now problems and the future problems of the business, which I think prevents a lot of people from moving forward in business ownership 
just because they feel totally inadequate without an MBA or prior business experience to, to be able to adapt and be nimble. But in a franchise, all that goes away because you're buying down that learning curve by partnering yourself with people. I mean, I think it's a um, reasonable uh, consideration, especially, I think, you know, people who start businesses um, from scratch, from ideas, I think they are sometimes, I mean, we're wired differently. I mean, I talked to my friend, uh, George Newberry about this, you know, George is, uh, you know, is well known for his AHP business and he built multiple businesses from scratch. And it's funny if you look back, if you go to Argentina, uh, the airport is the George Newberry airport and it's not him that it's named after. It's named after his grandfather who was like apparently some crazy, uh, you know, uh, some flying like planes and was doing all sorts of things that were highly risky. So it's like one of these things where like, you're just wired to be renegade a little bit. And you know, you're, you know, most of the listeners out there, Buck, if they have a spouse, (laughs) okay, let's say you're the man and you're, you're like, you're like, Hey honey, I'm going to go start a business. You know, she's probably going to be feel a little bit better and a little more uh, apt to say yes. If like, if, you know, she knows that, those startup risks are mitigated by yeah. a proven franchise, you know, maybe that doesn't have any failures yeah. or it depends on where you are in your life too. When I started my it first totally business does. without franchising, I didn't really have any responsibilities. Right. So made a difference. Right. So so right. now there is some downside. I mean there is there is some calculated, you know, upsides and downsides that you look and um, part of it is that you're paying for risk mitigation. Yep. Right. Yes, you're paying a franchise fee up front. Yeah, franchise yes, and you're fee paying meaning, for loyalty ongoing basis. Yes. Right. And so those things will um, effectively what uh, when you look at those, they're designed because you know you have certain types of operating. Um, you know, you've you've got ways that you operate. You've got handbooks. You've got support. All those kinds of things. So, in your experience, or maybe national, or both. What is the what is the rate of failure of franchisees? Okay, that's a really good question. So first of all, franchising is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. So every franchise that you would look at has to disclose their failure rate in what's called a franchise disclosure document. So these documents are filed annually with the Federal Trade Commission. And then in certain states like California, Um, the states have their own filing process with the state examiner. So I'm not going to make any like big claim about failure. I'll say that the the companies that I work with have very strong success rates um, because I don't work with just everybody. Like that's the whole point of using a consultant is that we, I have relationships. As you said, I have 20 years of experience in franchise consulting. And these are, I'm extending my knowledge of the industry to my candidates, but then also my relationships. So I don't play with everybody. I play with the best of the best people. But inside that disclosure document, they would disclose to you their success and or failure rate. But here's the thing. Like I work with some companies that over a 30 year track record say we have zero failures, right? So you're like, zero failures in business ownership. Like, how is that even possible? Well, they're not allowing franchisees to fail. 
Okay. So look, if you're in a partnership in a franchise and they're not going to allow you to fail, meaning when they've they're your, your red flags are going up, right? Like we need help. We need help. And they're sending the right, the lifeboats to you. But for whatever reason, you're not jumping on and turning the boat around. They're going to ask you to put a for sale sign on your business. They're going to come to Kim Daly and say, we have a resale in Santa Barbara, California. Can you bring us someone, Kim? So they're going to help bring somebody in to buy you out and help you go away. So, okay. That's another advantage really to franchising. If you're in, um, if you're in a culture where the franchisor does manage the resales like that, because they want to keep that failure rate very low. Look, a franchisor knows high failure is going to in, is going to make it really, really hard for people to say yes, right? Yeah. If they're in the business of growing their brand, using your time and your money, they want to create the optimum environment. But let's be real, business ownership isn't right for everybody, no matter how carefully vetted franchisees are, right? Once people show up, it's how they show up to their dream every day, like that matters, right? Like when I was a personal trainer in the gym, right? Like, I could work in the best gym with the best equipment, have the most up-to-date science to deliver to you, but I couldn't make you show up. I couldn't make you like, you know, go through the workout really with intensity and putting your heart and your mind into it. Right. I couldn't control what you were eating when I, you know, when I wasn't around. So, and it's those things that ultimately would influence the outcome of the effectiveness of the workout. Well, the same thing is going to be true in owning a franchise. The the franchisor is like the personal trainer providing the environment, providing the tools, but they can't make you show up to your dreams. They can't make you have a dream right? They can't make you be a boss that people want to work for. They can't make you deliver exceptional customer service. Believe me, they hope you do. Yeah, <laughs> and that's no, why it's it. a mutual evaluation. So because the question though, is that, you know, we did use a statistic, you know, one in three though for startups, right? Or two and three, what did you say for failures? So I've heard the statistic in the pure entrepreneurial environment that 90% of businesses okay. will fail before their fifth anniversary. Before their fifth anniversary. I'm just bringing it, listen, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like, so do you have a comparable statistic for franchises then? I mean, I'm going to say mine is the opposite of that. Okay. I see franchises that are like 90% or greater, but I don't, I don't want to mean that as an earnings claim. It's definitely never my job. Yeah, yeah, not I'll an point, earnings claim. I'm the but resource. But I think that you if, know? You're, if, you're, if you're in this business, if you're going down this route, you want to know that those types of statistics. So do you, Oh, they're out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it. when you, when you, when you come to me and you're like, Kim, all right, I want to, I want to explore franchises. I I'm first going to match opportunity to you based on financially, what you qualify for, what kind of skills you have, what kind of goals you have. Are you an empire builder? Are you just looking to yeah. like be, you know, a, a work with your spouse and have a small team. So all of these characteristics come into play and then I match opportunity to you. And then I'm going to let you date the franchisors and I'm going to coach your dating process. So it's in that dating process that the franchisors would disclose to you all this information about their track record and their history and all the finer details that you need to say yes or no to a business the specific information comes from the franchisors, not from Kim Daly. I'm just going to teach you where to find that got information. It, got it. Got it. Okay. So let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and say, well, gosh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I want to find out about, you know, this kind of thing. Um, you mentioned that you could do this semi-passively 
versus, you know, I mean, we have a lot of people, our, our group is largely high paid professionals, you know, yeah. who are the reason they're investing in, in real estate syndications and, you know, other things that we do in our, in our investment community is because we don't have time because we don't, you know, we're not trying to buy jobs. And so for those people, is there a place in, in franchising and to what degree? Yes, there's definitely a place. So the vast majority of franchises out there are going to need full-time operators, right? And even sometimes in a semi-absentee environment, when somebody gets in and really starts doing the due diligence, they're like, well, but the top people are the ones that are in it. And sometimes you just feel like you're leaving too much money on the table because you see the potential of how big you, how fast you could scale with your leadership driving it. But if you are a, a you know, a full-time W2 CEO, doctor, dentist, you know, follower of Buck Joffrey, I know the kind, I've met yeah, many of yeah. you. Um, then yeah, the, you we have to stay with this select group of businesses that have those characteristics, typically where they have very small to no teams of people. Cause it's the, human part of it that makes it um, time consuming. So the fewer amount of people you have in the business, the easier it may be. It may also be something like on my podcast, I, I just released an episode with a franchise owner. Uh, he and his wife both have very big full-time jobs and they invested in this LE mental health clinic. I don't know if you've heard of this, but one of the fastest growing franchises for 2022 is the first ever franchise for mental health really changing the story and reducing the stigma around, Hey, I need help. You know, mental health is a thing. And um, they're both very full-time W2 employees and they have a clinic clinician who runs their first clinic. And they were, when I interviewed them, they were getting ready to open their second one. So you, in that case, you have this highly paid professional person who you couldn't do the job anyway, because you're not a medical, you know, you don't have the medical degree, but so the, the clinician does, and they run the day-to-day -day as well as like managing the other therapists who are running your, your patient base. And then that frees up you to be more focused on, you know, the strategy, multi-units, the financials, maybe the marketing, and, and um, maybe just managing that one manager or maybe a couple managers as you scale out. So that could also be a scenario that could work for someone you know, who's super busy where you just have to have the right key person. And I know people are like, I don't know, but now I got to find this person. Well, you don't have to do it on your own. You're doing it inside a franchise where there are, you know, there's zip recruiter or there are specific recruiting tactics that mm -hmm. these franchisors have. If they want you to be semi-absent, I guarantee you they have support to help you find the right GM because it's in their best interest that you have that good GM because that's the person they're going to be interacting with on a daily basis. Right? right. So this is where it's this mutual evaluation and everybody has to feel like it will, it's a win-win for you and for them and them and for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find that most people end up with uh, franchise businesses within their own um, town? Um, so for example, I am in Santa Barbara, California, which is not a huge market, right? We're pretty small. In fact, Montecito, if you saw the New York times article recently, we're very small. That's where I live. It's, you know, like 5,000 people here. Um, so when you look at 
when you look at opportunities, when people are looking at opportunities, are they usually looking at opportunities that are really completely local to them? It depends, Buck. So if you're a first-time business owner and you have a very busy life and you're looking for quality of life, I don't know that starting a business in another state is like the easiest, fastest way to do that. But if you could do it in your backyard, prove proof of concept, and then you want to expand to a market that you like to vacation into as and go there as a write-off, or if you've lived in a, a another market, you have family or friends, and again, people that your center of influence that you could hire to be these key people in that market, or if you have the mobility, maybe you're in like a you know, a pharma, a pharma, you know, rep kind of a business where you have a lot of flexibility, it might not be that important. It really comes down to like right now I'm working with, I think of this cardiologist I'm working with. And, you know, he told me that, you know, he's in the hospital from 6am to 10pm. I'm like, I go, no wonder, like you, you probably only could marry a nurse because you're not around anybody else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? He's like, yeah. I'm 40 years old. I'd like to get married. He's like, I got to create a way out of this, you know, but he makes a lot of money. And so it's hard to walk away from that. But so we're, we're using his early morning hours to figure a path out of that. And so he's looking at a salon suite model, which is a shared office space model worth no employees. It's a fairly big cash outlay business, but it's, you know, very minimal time commitment once it's built and has amazing cash on cash returns. So with some nice financing on the construction part of it, you open with tenants, they're all business owners, so no employees. It's a beautiful model. I'm one of the top consultants in the country placing people into that particular franchise. I think, Buck, you and I even talked about it. times in the past. So that would be like a really great option for him. Um, He's a big sports guy though. So I do have this little um, bite size, no brick and mortar. You need to hire like a, maybe a post collegiate for this particular business that's in basketball. Uh, You know, like someone who played maybe D1 sports or who loves kids, maybe who ran a summer camp, even who loves kids. And you basically run camps, clinics and academies and this particular business is in basketball and you rent the spaces. So you don't have any brick and mortar. So he loves that because it's like really, really small investment. Um, but he, you know, he, what he's kind of like, uh, can I find that key person? And I'm like, you know, stay with the process and understand how the franchisor will help you to find that key person because it could be a great option and something he would be kind of passionate and super fun to do can be highly scalable work his way out of uh so many surgeries right sure sure um what's um you mentioned capital outlay give us a range um like you know when people are are coming in the door and and typically does the is there a is there a risk uh reward associated with that in other words if you're paying higher amounts of number (laughs) a higher amounts yeah. of capital outlay, is it often the case that there's a higher potential return or mitigated risk? So that's a great question. So the level of investment going into a franchise buck does not correlate to the potential to earn. What it correlates to is the owner's time commitment from day one. So when you see these lower investments, right, they, they don't have the brick and mortar location. They don't have the leverage of stuff 
what that's typically implying is that somebody is driving activity, driving a sales process into a market to find customers. So that's going to be more time consuming than plopping down that, you know, big uh, laundromat, right? In the center of town and then letting people come to you. That's a very minimal time commitment. So money and time are inversely related. The level of investment is not correlated to the potential to earn. Now, in terms of investments, we have investments that are 60, 70, 80,000 all in. We have franchise investments that are three, four, five million dollars all in and millions of shades of gray in between. So when you work with me, one of the first things we do is I explain to you exactly what your money buys in a franchise. So before you ever tell me, well, this is how much I want to put in, I'm going to explain to you what every franchise business costs and why and correlate it to the owner's skill, time commitment, where where the business operates from. And I can't make earnings claims, but I can help people see how some businesses have more of an unlimited feeling of growth and some feel more capped in the return. So once I've set it all up, then I'm going to ask you, all right, so now with the facts, you tell me what level of investment are you comfortable with? Because now when you say the number, you know exactly what I hear. So we've clearly communicated and we'll know visually what it looks like, the time commitment you're willing to put in, the owner that you want to be, and then all of that wrapped in a financial bow. That's like the first half of one of our most in-depth conversations that I have sure, with people. Sure. Um, you talked about tax benefits. Give us some examples of tax benefits people get from from um, some of the franchises that you've been involved with. Okay, well, the same is like in real estate, it's depreciable assets. So if you like, you, you, do you know the business pods, the portable on-demand yeah. storage? Uh-huh. That's a franchise? Yeah. So that that particular brand is not, but I do work with the franchised version of pods called units. <laughs> And so when you look at the the storage business, like each of these units, these containers, that's a depreciable asset. So this is a great business for someone that has a lot of cash that they want to sink into something, wants tax advantage, but doesn't really need cash flow right away. Like you've got to get a lot of containers in circulation for this thing to really become the cash cow that it can be. But if you have a lot of cash and you don't need a lot of income and you need tax break, it's a great business. And then it's reoccurring revenue because once you get these containers in circulation, you know, the game is just re-renting them and re-renting them and re-renting them. So it's an easier way to enter into the self-storage market without plopping, you know, 10 or $12 million into a climate controlled building. <laughs> it allows you to start a little bit cash less than that and uh, and kind of tiptoe in buying like a certain number of containers at a time, getting them in circulation and then buying more. So that would be one example. An easier example, I think, would be, you know, something that's more logistical, like a 1-800-GOT-JUNK or maybe a um, even a pet grooming. I know it seems really simple, but look, a lot of dogs were born in 2020, right? There's a lot of doodles out there that need grooming and the convenience of having the mobile groomer come in that sprinter van. So those Mercedes sprinter vans are great taxable, you know, tax deductions. And what I love about a business like that, again, is you're not plopping down a million dollars into the build out and then hoping and praying people come. You're entering the market with one van and a marketing plan. You get that thing, you know, and a groomer who, you know, loves their job as is not being micromanaged, gets to work with the cutest little clients in town and can can literally make good money. Like groomers 
if you're a good groomer, yeah. you can make like six figures. I've heard groomers making six figures. So, but you can literally scale out a territory where you have 10 or 15 vans going out all across and you can really look at the revenue per truck, right? So you're entering, you know, not exposing yourself with a lot, a lot of cash outlay. And then you're just measuring, you know, revenue per truck and you've got the tax advantage all along the way. So, and there's a whole bunch of different yeah. businesses like yeah. that. Yeah. So sure. that gives you some examples. Got it. So say somebody's interested now, uh, Kim, what's the process when they, uh, when they contact you? So they listen to this podcast, they go to the daily D-A-L-Y coach.com, the daily coach.com. And they say, Hey, Kim, Kim at the daily coach.com. How <laughs> I heard you on, on, uh, I heard you on well formula with Buck. What's, uh, how, how do I, and I contact you and what's the next step? So first of all, it's a free service. I don't work for free. It's just free for you because you came from Buck. No, I'm just kidding. It's free because I get paid like a recruiter by the franchise wars, right? So I'm doing all of the lead gen, if you will. If you reverse this, I have a business to business business, right? Doing all the lead gen for these lazy franchise wars. No, I'm just kidding. Who don't want to like pile through organic leads? No, I mean, they pay me to get people, you know, find financially qualified, motivated people, make sure you get your expectations in line. So you understand the process, serve them to them because now you're a much more qualified candidate for their opportunity. So for you, what I'm doing for you is all of that. I'm getting you financially qualified. I'm getting your expectations in the right place. We're going to go through a couple upfront calls. I'm going to gather some data over a questionnaire. We're going to get your spouse, if you're married, uh, engaged, if he or she wants to be a part of this decision-making process. Uh, because a business, a business doesn't just impact you. It can impact your whole family. Yeah, you have sure. teenagers, yeah. man. We can, we can employ those kids, right? <laughs> you can also consider the legacy effect of building a business that you, you know, leave for your kids. So, um, and then I present companies to you. I always tell my candidates, it's about one to two months for me to get you comfortable and confident to say yes. That's financing, going through legal review, selecting the right franchise. That's everything. One to two months. It's about one to two weeks to get you to a no. So you won't spend a long time here. It's because I front load the process. I've been doing this for 20 years. I am one of the top consultants in the country. I am blessed to help a lot of people. So I know how to sort of front load what you need to learn and kind of that learning curve you need to get up over. So you sort of have this aha moment and go, okay, I get what I'm doing. And if you if it's not the right timing or it's not the right investment for you, you'll take yourself out of the process pretty quickly. Got it. And you also have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about I that. do. Yes, I have a growing YouTube channel, which has emerged uh, on into a podcast as well. My podcast is called Create Wealth Through Franchising. And you can find all of the videos I make at kimdaily.tv, which is on YouTube. Create Wealth Through Franchising. I wonder what that's about. Anyway. Yeah, it's a pretty basic <laughs> name, right? <laughs> Very smart. We wanted the word wealth in there. We wanted franchising. So yeah, I'm like, well, go. we're just um, going to call it what it is. Great I'm wealth through franchising. All right. Well, Kim, yeah. this has been fantastic. And again, in order to get the ball rolling, at least to to see if this is a good fit for people, should they just contact you at Kim at thedailycoach.com? 
Yeah, go. you can go to my website, go to YouTube. All my contact information is everywhere. I do have a contact form on my, on my website, which will allow you to tell me a little bit more about yourself. But however you want to find me, if it's kimatthedailycoach.com, do it. I would love to meet you. Everybody I've ever met through the Wealth Formula Network has blessed my life. You have some amazing followers um, and you're always there. Your people are always fun to work with. Fantastic. Thanks so much for being on Wealth Formula Podcast again, Kim. Thank you. All right. Take care. We'll see you next time. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, the summer is over and that means we're back in business. And actually, there is some stuff coming up in Investor Club. So if you're a credit investor, go ahead and make sure that you go to uh, wealthformula.com and get signed up. In addition, I should remind you also that I have another podcast. It's called Sapio with Buck Joffrey, S-A-P-I-O with Buck Joffrey, available in all the ways that you currently consume this podcast. Go check it out. It is a podcast that's really about longevity, health, and, and that kind of stuff. And if you like this show and my style here, it's basically this similar type of thing, except focused on a different topic. Again, that's APO with Buck Joffrey. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.